0: to the latest Digital CXO podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bizard, and my guest today is Alan Schimmel, CEO of TechStrong Group, publisher of DevOps.com, Security Boulevard, Container Journal, TechStrong TV, and of course, Digital CXO. Alan, good to talk to you as always. Hey, Mike. Great to be back. Hope all is well. All is good. We are starting to see some interesting shifts in demographics, and I'm starting to wonder if technology is following suit. We have a report here that describes some major uptick in IT investments, both in terms of vendors and also among end users in Texas. And then we also have a lot of development activity now happening in Florida as well. And I put it to you, since we are all going to go to a conference in Texas this coming week, um, do you think something profoundly different is starting to happen here? Or is the tech starting to follow the people? You know, I I
1: do think we we have permanent change going on. Of course, we saw this you know, during COVID, but we weren't sure if it was just a temporary thing of people leaving the cities and moving to places like Idaho and Wyoming and wide open places. And I think there definitely is some of that the work from anywhere crowd. But I think also we are seeing new digital hubs springing up. Look, Texas was always a digital hub. It's a large part of their growth, right? Austin Austin itself. I mean, what's the difference between Austin and Silicon Valley these days, but other places, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, Houston, especially it's a big city, but it was never a tech powerhouse like it's becoming now. And then right here in South Florida, right? The Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm, South Florida area. It's probably one of the fastest growing tech hubs in the country, if not the world right now, Mike. There's all kinds of money being invested and new, new infrastructure popping up to support these startups. It's heartening, and I, I don't. I think that is going to be the trend going forward, right? Not that Silicon Valley is going away. It'll always be Silicon Valley and, and what it is, but it, it doesn't have a monopoly on on startup communities.
0: How much do you think this is driven by people moving in the COVID era to someplace more liberal? Or is this really just a reflection of tax policies by individual states that are starting to manifest themselves? And maybe we will see other states get more aggressive in their tax policies. You know, I don't know if
1: it's a liberal thing or it's even necessarily a tax thing. Yes, there are some companies our friend Elon Musk right, takes, takes uh, Tesla from California to Texas, and a lot of that is around taxes and, and regulation. I don't think he's going to move Twitter to Austin, though. Um, I, I do think that, A, people want to get out of expensive, crowded cities that don't offer great quality of life. Right. The nice thing, look, this, this fallacy about moving to Florida because it's cheaper is just that a fallacy recently saw a thing where the rents here are more expensive than New York and Boston. It's one of the most expensive places in the country to live in. now. So taxes are not. It's still a very expensive location, but you can't beat the weather. Right. And and, you know, it's a nice lifestyle. I think people are opting, especially Gen Z people, Mike. That work-life balance is important to them. That ability to do lifestyle kinds of things, whether it's water sports or skiing or mountains or oceans, it's important. It's important. Here's what you don't hear is important, though, that is different than when you and I were coming up. You see hear people say, oh, I'm going to move to this area because of the schools. they got great schools there, right? I mean, I moved to areas because of the schools when my children were younger. You don't hear that being the reason anymore. And I I wonder, is that because private schools, homeschooling, or people just don't have kids as much, but, you know, the, the reasons that people are moving to certain areas, I think, are changing.
0: As part of that whole shift, I mean, we talk about the world as if, you know, the US revolves around it. But I also have to wonder if other countries are looking at this same shift and are we starting to see tech hubs start to emerge elsewhere? Of course, you know, there's this cybersecurity hub in Israel, but will this become a larger global trend?
1: The numbers speak for themselves. When well, you have a country like India where you have more children. In STEMs in STEM, uh, in STEM uh, programs, then we have children, and at the same time, you cut down on immigration from places like that to here. It's only a matter of time until the numbers shift, and you know, it's as Bill Clinton would say, it's an arithmetic issue, right? Just the sheer numbers are going to say, yes, those you're going to have hubs there, you can have hubs there. Interesting, you know, we we did a uh, a text strong TV today segment this morning that we recorded, talking about you know brain drain from Russia as a result of the you know Russia Ukraine war, and you know you're seeing IT related folks, more educated folks leaving Russia in high numbers. They're estimating ten percent of their IT folks may leave. You know, where are they going to go? Are they going to come to America? Is are we seeing a repeat of like Peter Munda, Peter window with Warner von Braun and the rocket scientist coming here? Or are we, are they going to go in Latvia and Estonia? It is you know, the new tech hubs get established in Eastern Europe.
0: I don't know. I think we will live in some interesting times, but I expect we'll be traveling more around the yeah. world or at least for- Or Zooming. <laughs> or Zooming. Okay. Yeah. All right. I want to return to a subject that we have talked about in the past, and it's whether or not digital business initiatives are stalling. And you've been a little more uh, aggressive about saying that things are moving according to plan, and but research keeps showing up that says people are finding issues. And so I know you have a favorite phrase about the idiot tax, and sometimes trying to reduce that and not. Being uh, so high by maybe researching more before we leap, but it does seem from a lot of the articles that were running on digital CXO that people are struggling, and there's some of the issues may be that they're not reinventing processes; they're just trying to take the ones they you had before and move them into some online process. So, do we really need to rethink what we're trying to do here? I'm reminded of the words
1: from a song: "These are the good old days," right? things are never perfect. And there are people, you know, I'll say in my wife's family, right, who always find things that could be better. They're good, but they could be better. I I think it's the same thing we're seeing with digital transformation and digital initiatives. This isn't magic fairy dust. This isn't just add water and watch Chia Pet grow hair. This is hard work that you got to be mindful of and plan for and budget for and work at. And even if you do all those things, you're not gonna get it's not gonna succeed a hundred percent all of the time, not even some of the time. But it's not a hundred percent success that moves the needle. The needle moves at much less than a hundred percent. And are there idiot taxes that we pay, especially? until you build up emerging practices best practices you know until you've paid those idiot taxes you don't have to pay them again right there is that you know awkward teenager is what you do it's part of that's part of it when you're doing something for the first time chances are you pay idiot taxes I mean it you know it it happens the question is even paying those taxes was it still worthwhile And I I think overall it is, even if some people will always look at that glass half full and say, well, could have been better, could have been better.
0: I wonder if a lot of organizations are just not realizing that they are paying the idiot tax and they're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But they don't really have a full plan for executing end to end. And it's a lot of trial and error. I, I think
1: there's certainly a lot of that going on. You know, there's certainly a lot of it going on. But I think so that's what separates you want to call them high performing teams or smarter teams or what have you is the teams that say, hey, wait a second. You know, they are going to they are throwing a lot of stuff on the wall, but they're also making decisions about what sticks and what doesn't quicker. And and you know, it's it's kind of a DevOps thing, right? You do these things, you've got your feedback loops set up, and then you iterate and reiterate based upon feedback, right? So is it the most efficient way of doing things? No. But you know, if you if you have your feedback loops and and you're acting off of that feedback, you're going to get better. You iterate and reiterate, as I said, and And, you know, it's a continuous improvement process.
0: All right. So we're not all as bad as we think. It's just that we're kind of stumbling a little bit here and there. Well,
1: yeah, I I think.
0: Nothing is a hundred. Very
1: few things go better than you hoped for even. Uh, But it's not progress. Look, don't let perfect get in the way of good. And don't forget that.
0: And one of the things we are seeing is the rise of these titles called digital business transformation leaders of some type or other. A lot of them aren't IT folks. So maybe that's what's required is just somebody who's gonna have all their skin in the game to drive this uh, change because of all the inertia that's in these organizations. The bigger the organization, the more inertia there is. You know what? I'll defer to you,
1: Mike. You're talking to so many of these people as part of digital CXO and its rollout and as it reaches out. It is true, I I think digital transformation does not necessarily have to be synonymous with IT. I think digital transformation business leaders are business leaders before they're IT leaders. I think it's the job of IT to make the vision and dreams and wishes of these digital transformation leaders possible using technology, um, and the technology that's out there or inventing new technology if we have to. But you're right, I, I do think that you know transformative leaders, digital transformative leaders don't necessarily have to be IT folk. Doesn't hurt, but it doesn't necessarily have to be.
0: Yeah. In my conversations, I'm starting to wonder if IT people perceive digital transformation as this larger macro trend that's happening to and around them, but they're not driving. They're benefiting from it. They're excited by it because it's a lot more interesting projects and things to work on. But it doesn't feel like they're the ones who are behind the proverbial steering wheel. Yeah. Uh-
1: I don't necessarily disagree. And in fact, I'll defer to you. You probably talk to more people than I do about this.
0: All right. That said, there's also a study up on uh, Digital CXO that we invite you all to check out that highlights the fact that there's a lot more risks at stake here than just say cybersecurity. There's a lot of compliance issues. There's a lot of fraud issues. And it's not clear that business leaders appreciate those risks from the perspective of the study. But I will ask you this, in the few business classes that I went into, it was pretty apparent that the whole gist of the whole of being in business was to understand that there are risks in everything you do. So maybe business folks do understand the risk, they're just willing to take them more because the stakes are higher. What do you think, what are business leaders thinking about risk these days?
1: You know, what's, what's the Irish way you live in unusual times?
0: I think that's chinese but okay okay it's a chinese one
1: what do we know um, i i i was always told it was an irish proverb maybe it was that famous irishman confucius but um anyway we live in unusual times we li- and by the way let me be clear digital risk is not just security cyber of which compliance, I think, is the, is the flip side of the coin. That's not the only risk. The risk is, you know, other risks. Moving your customers to an online platform or online way of doing business that doesn't scale or doesn't track or somehow delivers a terrible customer experience and you lose customers as a result. Digital risk is... Not moving your online customers fast enough, asking them to still stay with your brick and mortar operation when your competitors are and they start taking your customers by the droves. Right? There's so much risk involved, forward, backwards, you know, around this whole digital transformation era that we live in. However, that's you know, no no pun. Intended. But that's why you make the big bucks as a as a leader. You you need to look at the risk, weigh the risk, weigh the rewards, and make smart business decisions. You can't you know, I'm a huge Steelers fan, as you know, Mike. Mike Mike Tomlin is the coach of the Steelers. And when they ask him about, you know, stupid mistakes he's made in coaching or you know, calls, he says you can't live in your fears. You can't you can't manage your business team. be a digital leader living in your fear, right you you have to you have to think about what what's at stake and what, what what's to gain. And, but you do have to be realistic about your risk. and I think that's what it comes down to. Don't live in your fears and think that the world is falling because of ransomware or digital hacking or cybercrime or what have you. Be realistic about what that risk is. Be reasonable, right? Be reasonable about what you can do to prevent or or mitigate that risk. But don't let it give you paralysis by analysis and, and move forward with your digital transformation plans.
0: I think you hit it spot on. I think the risk of doing nothing is now higher than the risk of absolutely.
1: Doing nothing. And and if you're and, not moving forward, you're dying. That's yeah. that's the the mantra of business today.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, speaking of living in our fears though, our last set of stories deals with labor and automation and the gig economy and there's a lot of gnashing of teeth about being able to find talent in people at the same time there's fear that we're going to automate people out of existence. So I, I go back to Kennedy but you know we have nothing to fear but fear itself kind of thing but uh, Roosevelt sorry. Yeah. Um, but as we kind of look at those mindsets um you know, what's your assessment? Are, are we just kind of you know driving ourselves crazy looking at our navels here, or is there something fundamentally going on with labor and talent management that people should be thinking about?
1: You know, Mike, I, I think this is tied into the question and topic we hit before, which is about the dispersal dispersal of workforces to non traditional or the emergence of new tech hubs. I I think what we've got is a a very bifurcated workforce. You have a lot of people who, who just frankly are not equipped for the kinds of jobs that pay good money in our digital world, right? And we have a lot of jobs in these digital worlds that need some really specific skill sets. And we don't have enough people for them. While at the same time, the whole world seems to be in this mode of, you know, go play in front of your own house and stay in your own yard, right? So, especially this is really acute here in America, right? We desperately need more cyber people, more developers, more DevOps folks, more testers, more ops, SREs. You know we that's all we hear about are all these jobs that are opening at the same time though we have people stomping up and down screaming to close our borders i'm not talking about people swimming in over the rio Grande who are going to do you know rather menial jobs because they don't have the skills i'm talking about the h1b visa people i'm talking about skilled students who would come here to university to further up you know, skill themselves and then stay here to start companies and be the backbone of new tech companies. As we hire them, we're losing that. We're losing that group, and as a result, in the skilled job sets, the skilled you know areas we need, we don't have enough people here. I think worldwide, you know, Thomas Friedman flat the flat Earth, right? Remember those books. Mm -hmm. I think labor will go to like liquid, right? It flows like liquid, it goes to the lowest point, as does capital. And so if we don't get people in this country who could do those jobs, our companies here will look elsewhere for people to do those jobs. And then we have no one to blame but ourselves.
0: And we might get to the point too where people are just going to migrate to where the cost of living is better and they can make a salary that's based on their talent for the demand for that talent around the globe that they don't have to actually physically be in. So I think part of this is just managers getting used to the idea that they may have to pay somebody based on what their skills are rather than, you know, where like, they live.
1: Right. Know, I think the idea of a, of a, cost of living rate being different is is going to go out the window but i would tell you that where people live is not just they're not going to pick it just upon the cost of living certainly south florida is a perfect example we have a high cost of living or maybe the reality hasn't caught up i think there's going to be quality of life issues here right i can't tell you people I, i spoke to yesterday to a person i know in the pr world for years and years, who's looking to move to perhaps Costa Rica or Panama, right, for quality of life issues and and what's going on in our country with politics and Supreme Court rulings and so forth. And um, I think in in a hot, flat earth, as Thomas Friedman would say, People are going to move not just where cost of living is best, but where quality of life is best.
0: All right. Well, wherever you are, we're hoping that you are listening to this podcast and watching Digital CXO. We'll all be in Texas next week at the InnoTech Dallas event. We invite you to come by and say hello. I think it's going to be a great time. And we will be talking about, of course, digital business transformation will be the lead keynote. So by all means, come on by. Alan, as always, thanks for being on the show. Mike, my pleasure. Hey, not just in Austin, but later this month, we are in
1: Boston. We've got two roadshows, one on cybersecurity, one on DevOps Cloud Native, and a digital CXO dinner. So check it all out at digital CXO or TechStrong. Mike, always a pleasure.
0: Be well. And thank you all for listening to our show on the Digital CXO website. You can find complete episodes as well as show notes with links to the stories we discussed today. And you can follow us on your favorite social media platform and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you all next time.